Lecture topic: Reviving our relationship with Prophet Muhammad. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi al-ladin astafa. Amma ba'du fa'udu billahi min al-shaytan al-rajim. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. قل إن كنتم تحبون الله فاتبعوني يحببكم الله ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم والله غفور رحيم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من تشبه بقوم فهو منهم أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected of my kiram, brothers and elders. <coughs> One of the most fundamental things in human health, when a person is not well, is that the ailment must be diagnosed correctly. If the ailment is diagnosed and the actual problem is identified, then it becomes very much easier to now start dealing with it. Obviously the road might still be long ahead before the treatment takes effect and whatever else might unfold thereafter. But if the diagnosis hasn't been done, then we haven't even started. And we might be floundering in the dark here and there everywhere not knowing what to do and where to start off with. So likewise, on our spiritual side of life, and which is actually the main part of our life, because that is the continuous part of our life. This physical side of our life, we are here for a limited period of time, and sooner or later, every single person is going to leave. So many have left, and every other day and every day we hear about who else left and someday they will hear about we left that day will certainly come Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab says people they say that Mata Fulan wa Mata Fulan wa la buddha min yawmin yuqalu Mata Umar people say today so and so passed away and so and so passed away that day too will certainly come when people will say Umar has passed away these people had this constant concern, they had this in front of them and therefore they lived their lives in that manner that as if they were already on the doorstep of death very conscious of Allah Ta'ala, very very concerned to do what is correct, to stay away from anything that is displeasing to Allah Ta'ala that is not in accordance with the way of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam so in any case this diagnosis is the very very important part so now there are many many different aspects in fact if we have to start diagnosing then perhaps there might be not a single illness that we will not pick up some kind of machine we have to be put through to pick up what the problems are that it might just run out of paper printing out all the problems that we have because of the number of spiritual ailments that we suffer with whether it is pertaining to the heart the ailments in the heart, whether it is the weakness of Iman, whether it is the aspect of the ailments of the heart, pride, 
and malice and jealousy and the love of the ego and whether it is the spiritual ailments pertaining to various actions that are impermissible whether it is the misuse of the eyes the misuse of the tongue the misuse of the ears all these things we are suffering from so we don't even have to look too deep to know what our problems are our problems are already bubbling over sometimes something is very very hidden you have to look deep down to find it but sometimes something is already floating on the surface you don't even have to look too far that's our problem but in one particular aspect which is very far reaching and that is what we have to just focus on today is that in terms of our relationship with rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam we will have to admit that our relationship with our nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam is very very weak relationships are things that are very greatly emphasized very greatly treasured as well and in deen really it's all about relationships in the ayat of the quran sharif allah taala highlights the aspect of relationship qul in kana aba'ukum wa abna'ukum wa ikhwanukum wa azwajukum wa ashiratukum wa amwalun iqtaraftumuha wa tijaratun takhshawna kasadaha wa masakin tardawraha a whole list allah taala one is to say it in a very general way allah taala didn't say it in a general way allah taala is itemizing it because these are the people and things that are closest to insan so allah taala could have just said it in a very generalized way but allah taala is itemizing it for people like us who may not get the point if it is not itemized sometimes in the generalization we we miss the point so allah taala is saying say qul say say to nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam declare to them qul in kana aba'ukum if your parents wa abna'ukum your children wa ikhwanukum your brothers sisters siblings wa azwajukum your spouses wa ashiratukum and then it gets extended this is the closest line of relationships parents children then it moves one step spouses wa ashiratukum and then your extended family and then going on to things amwalun iqtaraftumuha the wealth that you have acquired and what tijaratun takhshawna kasadaha those businesses wherein you fear a loss if this has to go bankrupt something happens and if this has to fall apart what's going to be my situation i might fall apart what tijaratun takhshawna kasadaha wa masakin tardawnaha and those dwellings and mansions and those homes which you love so dearly you have so taken so much of care to make sure it is as you want it and then too it's not enough and you are all the time trying to upgrade something those homes that you love so dearly or generally the things around a person are these things and the things closest to a person's heart is this There's nothing left out of it allah taala itemized all this allah taala says if any of these things 
احب الیکم من اللہ و رسولہ و جہاد فی سبیلہ فتربصو حتی یأتی اللہ بی امرہ If any of this is more beloved to you than Allah than the Rasul of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala and striving in the cause of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala then this is such a major issue that if things have become and people other than Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa have become more beloved than Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Allah ta'ala says فَتَرَبَّصُوا حَتَّى يَأْتِيَ اللَّهُ بِأَمْرِهِ then await the punishment of Allah now this is a relationship we are being told about that the greatest relationship of a mu'min is with Allah and his Rasul that is right at the top and there is nothing that can come close to him but then having spelled this out to us then we are repeatedly emphasized upon in terms of other relationships that look that too has its place within the limits that Allah Ta'ala has placed that has to be maintained that relationship with parents is so much about it in the Quran Sharif but just one ayat of the Quran Sharif to highlight it وَإِن جَاهَدَاكَ عَلَىٰ أَن تُشْرِكَ بِمَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِهِ عِلْمٌ فَلَا تُطِعْهُمَا Allah Ta'ala says if those parents they insist upon you they are pressurizing you to commit shirk so somebody's parents are mushrikeen and those parents are pressurizing, they are causing, they are putting pressure on that child, they are insisting on him to also commit shirk. So Allah says, فَلَا تُطِعْهُمَا Don't ever accept that, don't ever obey that, you cannot obey that. Something which Allah Ta'ala has forbidden, then you can't obey anybody in that regard. But in the same breath as we will say it, فَلَا تُطِعْهُمَا Don't obey them. But deal with them kindly. In terms of this worldly life, they are mushrik, but you deal with them kindly. So even parents, such a great maqam and position Allah Ta'ala gave them, that as far as dunya is concerned, even if they are mushrikeen, they will still be respected as parents, they will still be served as parents, and even if they are insisting on something so abhorrent, so terrible, that the worst crime on earth, in the shirk al-wulmunawim, they are persisting on someone to commit shirk, that won't be obeyed. But even that won't allow one to compromise the respect. What is this after all relationship? Allah Ta'ala has given us the importance of this relationship. The relationship with family that even the relatives in general in the Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala says give the relatives their rights relationships Allah Ta'ala says that that neighbor is a neighbor he has a right but if he is a relative he has a double right by virtue of being a relative relationships so the relationship with the neighbor and the relationship with the neighbor who is a relative with a double, double relationship. So in the Quran Sharif Allah is highlighting these relationships. And there is so much more but then in general in one ayat Allah Ta'ala says innamal mu'minuna ikhwa 
that all the believers are one brotherhood. Brothers is a relationship. A relationship between mu'mineen in general. So this is how important relationships are. And generally, people understand that there's some relationship, there's an importance. These relationships really come to the fore, for example, when there are occasions. Now there's an occasion, somebody is getting married, it is nikah. So now, when it is nikah, it's a happy occasion. Though the nikah that Nabi Karim Wasallam, the guidance he gave us, inna azaman nikahi barakatan aisaruhu mu'na, the nikah which has the greatest barakat is the nikah where the least expenses were incurred. Very simple matter. There were times when in Madina Munawwara, Sahaba got married, Hazrat Jabir radiallahu got married, Hazrat Abdurrahman bin Auf radiallahu got married, and Nabi Karim Wasallam is present in Madina Munawwara and he is not even aware. And he's getting to know after the nikah has taken place that this nikah took place. So he gives them dua and he advises Abdurrahman bin Auf, Awlim Malaw Bishat, well you already married mashallah, but have a walima, because a walima is sunnah, even if it is you slaughter one sheep but have a walima. But he never took him to task, but you didn't invite me, I am right here in Madina Munawara and I don't even know about it and you should have at least told me, nothing, no question on that. Yes, go ahead and now make the walima nevertheless. So any case, the point that we are talking about is that when there is an occasion, generally in our situation now, it's a nikah, a happy occasion, so now what does a person do? He wants everybody who is close to him to share in that joy. Mashallah. So now the walima is sunnah for that occasion now, so he'll invite people for that walima. So somebody he didn't invite, and that person happens to be somebody maybe related closely. That person now gets to know this person's walima, he didn't even invite me. In reality there shouldn't be any issue with it. But the other side of the reality is what an issue we do, we will make it. You know, after all I wasn't in need of your plate of food, but if you have told me, I'll make dua from home also. Some comment or the other to make this person realize that you did a big injustice to me. You didn't invite me. We take offense why? We felt that this was a close relationship. I know this person so well. Oh, he's my friend. He's my cousin. So that relationship now required that I should be called as well. And if there is that friendship, there is a relationship a person goes out of his way to call him. So why? Because it's an occasion. And on occasions these relationships come, that's when it really surfaces, it really is displayed. So what the point is, that there's so much of emphasis on relationships in Deen, all these things have been highlighted. And in day-to-day life also, we take into account relationships. So now, there's so much more in this, but just to now get to the point, just as we have relationships with people around us, relationship with our parents, with our children, with our family members, spouses, but above all these relationships is the relationship that an ummati is to have with his Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. An Nabiyu awla bil mu'minina min anfusihim. Allah Taala says the Nabi of Allah Taala is closer to the believers than their own selves. 
forget second person forget somebody else next to them closer to them than their own selves so now when there's a relationship that relationship changes a lot of things when there's a genuine relationship it changes a lot of things let alone very very close family relationships if a person receives a call from some friend who he didn't see for a long time i'm coming to visit you so now this friend is coming after a very long time out of honor for that friend who he dresses up now suddenly decently he was now maybe at home just in his casual maybe night clothes whatever now the friend is coming who he didn't see for a long time and he's an honorable person he might be an alim he might be a hafiz he might be somebody he might not even be somebody with any dini qualification as such but mashallah he is a good person for that person out of respect for him also he goes and puts on some garments that he can present himself in that will be presentable but for what he was wearing something that was also clothes then no no that clothes are not appropriate for here there's a relationship here but if somebody told him that there's somebody knocking on the door he is asking for something some beggar at the door so he goes in that same vest and pajamas of him and he will give him what he wants to give him he's got no relationship with that beggar he wants to just give him something and let him carry on so what does it matter to him how he is now appearing to that beggar he's wearing clothes so that person is insan also that beggar the dog is also insan and this person is also insan but for this insan he even changed his attire he even changed the kind of garments he was wearing this too is insan for that insan he didn't bother what made the difference there's a relationship or there's some respect and honor out of respect and honor are there so many different examples that can be taken in this manner but now to just bring it to what we are getting at a mu'min his relationship is with his nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam and that relationship should be above everything the sahaba ikram their relationship with nabi akram sallallahu alaihi was beyond the relationship we have the natural mohabbat and love we have for our near and dear ones that parents have with children children have for their parents that spouses can ever have for each other beyond that was the love that the sahaba ikram had and the relationship they had with nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam sayyidina anas radhiyallahu ta'ala an he says i am eating with rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the same utensil and there were small little pieces of kalabash in that in gravy and some small piece and i noticed nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam picking up those small pieces of kalabash i realized he he loves this he enjoys it or he finds it good to eat it is from that moment this became naturally beloved to me naturally one is now intellectually beloved that all okay this has got a lot of benefits in it and it's something very healthy to eat and whatever else so now for the intellectual for the benefits there's an intellectual uh, attachment or, or some kind of want for it no 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 let alone all the intellectual things it became naturally beloved why because my beloved nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam likes this so that became naturally beloved when nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam passed away 
is sahabi by the name of Abdullah bin Zaid bin Abdi Rabbi is the sahabi who he dreamt the azan and came and mentioned it when Nabi Karim Salaam was concerned how to call people to salah what should be done and he asked the sahaba ikram to give some suggestions as well and the sahabi wakes up and he comes and says I saw an angel in the dream saying these words calling out azan Nabi Karim Salaam called Hazrat Bilal radiya Allah said learn it from him and now this will be the azan when he heard about he was in his garden in his orchard busy sorting some things out and his son came to give him the news of the sad demise of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam he turned his hands in dua now this one is a person has some some time to prepare something he has a time to prepare speech about the love of nabi kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam so now he can think about what to say and how to say it and what to present about it and but when something happens on the spot that what's deep down in the heart that comes that's what comes up what is something that just puts a person out of the blue on the spot and then what comes out spontaneously that spontaneous thing is only what comes from the heart he turned in his hands into dua up for dua and he said ya allah if i'm not going to see with these eyes your nabi kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam i don't want to see anybody else ya allah take the sight away and he barely completed this dua and he lost his sight that if i can't see with these eyes after having been blessed with this ni'mat of seeing nabi kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam in this time that i had this opportunity with him and now to be deprived of this now not that this was something a requirement but this was some overwhelming love now that is some love on a level that we can only we can't even imagine but a mu'min his relationship with his nabi kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam must at least be to that level that he never gives anything else preference over the way of nabi kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam as we mentioned about for example relationships they really get displayed when there's a function for example some occasion somebody is walima somebody is getting married so now they invite those they love they invite those they are attached to they invite those they are happy to have their company with now this is an occasion to show what is our relationship with rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in figurative terms in figurative terms are we going to invite nabi kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam to our function invite him in the in the sense invite his mubarak way or is it going to be we're going to invite the way of his enemies and at the most at the most and sometimes say well okay there's a parda corner somewhere so in other words nabi kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the corner and the yahud and nasara all over the place their way now that is not the relationship that a mu'min has with his nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam his relationship doesn't compromise for anybody else's way as usman radiyallahu ta'ala an nabi kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam come for with the intention of umara for the sahaba ikram and this was now after hijrat so many years had passed and they were now really yearning to see the kaaba sharif and to make tawaf so nabi kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam had seen a dream that he's performing umrah So when he mentioned this dream this suddenly this became uncontainable anymore for the sahaba as well and they wanted to now come for umrah 
So Nabi Salaam brought everybody and came. But when the Quraysh heard that they are coming, long incident, but just to get to the crux of it, they came out to now stop this. Any case, this eventually led to the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. But prior to this treaty being signed, in order to get this negotiation going, because there was a standoff now, Nabi Kareem sent Hazrat Osman to Makkah Mukarramah. He's camped at Hudaybiyah, sent him to Makkah Mukarramah to come and talk to the Quraysh and now bring about some kind of sense in the situation. We've not come for any other purpose, we've just come for Umrah. All the people of the Arab lands, every throughout the year, they come for Umrah. Why should we be deprived of this? But these people had no intention of letting this happen. But in any case, when Usman Adyarano came, so he came and spent the night with his cousin. Now the next day he is going for this very high level negotiations with the Quraysh. This is a very, very great matter, a very serious matter. Nabi Kareem and the Sahaba are now, they are unable to enter Makkah Mukarramah because of the standoff. And now he is coming to negotiate to make this possible. And now in this situation now, when he is going that morning, so his cousin sees his garments well above his ankles, and he says to him that, look, this is not how the Quraysh dress, and they look down upon you. So rather you lower your garments, make it low, so that it will be how they are looking, how they are dressing. So then they won't look down upon you. Otherwise it might just affect the negotiations. They might think now, what? these people are opposing us. But what was that spontaneous reply of Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala? La haqaza idratu sahibi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Or idratu sahibina sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is how our Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa keeps his lower garment above his ankle. That is how I will keep it. I will not change this for anybody. Now that's a relationship. That I can be anywhere. It doesn't matter. But I will dress in the way that's going to please Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now let us think about ourselves. What is our relationship? Who do we resemble more? Maybe not in the masjid but outside maybe. Or maybe in our homes or families. Extended families. When there's some function sometimes what's going on? How people are dressed? There's sometimes some woman asking that is it fine to not attend this invitation. Why? I'm too embarrassed to be there. It's only woman. There's no intermingling. But the dressing is, I can't, can't put myself in that gathering. A woman is embarrassed to be in a gathering of women because how they dress. And which woman? We're talking about the Ummatis of Rasulullah What kind of relationship is this? The haya that Nabi Karim taught, that relationship with him requires that that haya be upheld. So in any case, the point in the lesson is that just as we have relationships that we treasure with people around us and when there's a genuine relationship we are doing what we can to try and enhance it. person enjoys a very very good relationship between spouses. So now he's trying to buy that kind of color of garment which the spouse will prefer. He could have bought anything but no 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 that color is not the right color. He's trying to select the color with the color which is of the preference. And here the preference of the Yahud and Nasara becomes our preference. When there's a 
genuine relationship between spouses now that wife is also preparing that which the husband will enjoy which he look forward to which he will appreciate we have to face our nabi karim sallallahu on the day of qiyamah at the house of kawthar we will be hoping for his shafaat what we going to present the wife presents what the husband loves the husband is buying what the wife likes parents want to please their children children are trying to make their parents happy what we did to make our nabi karim sallallahu happy the styles of the kufar the styles of the yahud and nasara is that going to make him happy whose resemblance man tashabbaha bi qaumin fa huwa minhum nabi karim sallallahu says the one who imitates a people he is one among them he will be identified with them so now if a person sometimes just considers in my life now as i'm standing any time any day where is my resemblance more so now these are things as you mentioned the diagnosis only the diagnosis that our relationship with nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam if we are true to ourselves we are honest with ourselves is very weak now the thing is what's going to enhance this relationship what's going to build it up that's the main thing that's the solution that's the ilaj and treatment so the diagnosis is in its place but after the diagnosis if the treatment is not undertaken you're not going to get anywhere so there are many many things but for a start there are three things that we have to now get to adhere to very very strongly number 1 we make every effort to start bringing the sunnats of nabi akram sallallahu alaihi in our day to day lives there are so many simple amal there is nothing like a small sunnat there is no such thing like a small sunnat every sunnat is more valuable than this whole universe but there are some very simple amal which take no effort which take no time which we are doing in any case every day hazrat maula inam ul hasan sahab rahmatullah alayhi is one very very ajeeb malfuz of his on occasion he said i am not telling you act on every sunnah i'm not telling you act on every sunnah outwardly that's something that might startle somebody that this doesn't sound something right how to, to say something like this no i'm not telling you to act on every sunnah what i'm telling you is that whatever you do do it according to sunnah whatever you do do it according to sunnah so your whole morning till evening your day and night will become according to sunnah because you are going to do something or the other and everything is happening sometimes just effortlessly is part of system part of the routine person wakes up and he does 10 things before even in the first 10 minutes all those things are just part of his routine and system but if he just learned how to do it correctly in the sunnah manner and consciously did it in the sunnah manner in that first 10 minutes of wakefulness he'll already fill his heart with noor he'll already start building the attachment with nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam already in the first few minutes of being awake now he continues like this the whole day what will be the extent of attachment consciously doing things in the correct manner according to the mubarak sunnah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam so one is to start bringing alive this day to day sunnahs and sunnahs are not confined to just a few aspects it's across the board every aspect of life how we talk also the sunnahs pertaining to that 
Nabi Kareem never ever spoke anything vulgar. That's part of his sunnah also. Lam yakun fahishan, wala mutafahishan, wala sakhaban, wala ayyaban. Nabi Kareem was never vulgar. He never shouted and screamed. Anybody and everybody gets irritated sometimes, gets provoked, gets very upset. But despite all that upset, this is also Nabi Karim Sunnah. He never screamed, never shouted. He, he expressed his, his displeasure, his anger also at times, in a very dignified manner. But the Sahaba would say sometimes he was so upset that his Mubarak face became so red as if pomegranate was now squeezed on his Mubarak face. So red. But in that anger also, he dealt with the matter with dignity. That was all his sunnah as well. Mala ayyaban. He was not somebody to keep finding fault. Keep finding fault with everything. And so many aspects mentioned in the ahadith. That's also part of sunnah. He kept his heart clean of malice. Ya bunayya, in qadarta an tusbiha wa tumsiya. وَلَيْسَ فِي قَلْبِكَ غِشٌ لِأَحَدٍ فَفْعَلْ Nabi Kareem said to Anas radiallahu Oh my beloved son, keep your heart clean of malice. Why? فَإِنَّ ذَلِكَ مِنْ سُنَّتِي That is my way of life. That is part of my way of life. My sunnah, my way of life. And together with this Nabi Kareem says, وَمَنْ أَحَبَّ سُنَّتِي كَانَ مَعِي فِي الْجَنَّةِ And the one who loves my sunnah, he'll be with me in Jannah. So one is bringing alive the Mubarak Sunnah. Every day what new Sunnah we learn, we try to bring it alive. This will build up attachment. Initially, it will be something we'll have to maybe perhaps pressure ourselves to do, push ourselves to do. But this has the effect of inculcating Muhammad, developing this love. And when this love has been developed in this manner up to a point, that love when it comes to a certain peak, then the love will take over. So one point in time, person will have to drive himself. But when he reaches that point, then the love will drive him. Then that muhabbat will drive him. And then he will not be able to do something against the Mubarak Sunnah. Hazrat Mawla Yusuf Kandelvi Rahmatullah he was very very ill. In his last days, in the last hours perhaps, and they had to somebody he, he indicated to take off his socks perhaps was feeling a bit hot wearing some sock maybe moza or whatever so now in that state everybody was so worried around him so now with indication he's so weak that he can't even express himself clearly so they understood perhaps what he wants it was him or perhaps one of the other kabir in any case somebody went to so he pulled his leg back after a while he made the indication again, again the person went to take it off and he pulled his leg back. So now they don't know, he wants something to be done, we're trying to do it, but he's, so maybe we're not understanding something. So somebody else was called, who was close, please maybe you can work out what's going on. So he inquired again, got some indication, then he like, see you're trying to pull off the left, the, the, the right foot first, when removing the garments, removing a shoe, removing a sock. When removing it, you remove the left first. When putting it on, you put the right on first. When removing it, you remove the left first. 
says you are going to remove the right one first. You must remove the left one first. You are doing something against the sunnah. So that's why he is retracting his leg. That why are you trying to do this against the sunnah? Now this was the extent of that muhabbat drives a person in his last moments. Hazrat Shaykh al-Hadith Ma'a Zakariya sahab rahmatullah was extremely ill. And now because of that illness etc. So one morning Fajr time it took much longer than usual to get ready. Perhaps due to his extra time was required getting fired from the toilet etc. Now the time was very very short left before sunrise. Anyways, quickly they made the wudu for him and now somebody went and performed the salah. Now the time was very very little. So the person recited two short surahs. He recited surah, perhaps whatever, for example now he recited surah wal-asr and inna atayna. When he completed the salah, immediately he said to him, but why didn't you recite surah falak and nas? Time was short. On one occasion when the time was short, Nabi Kareem sallallahu recited this. Now this is his last days of life. Extreme illness. Somebody performed the salah and didn't do it in the best way, which was the sunnah that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa on one occasion that happened, where he had now been in this very difficult situation of time being very short. But on that occasion, since he recited surah falak and nas in the fajr salah, you should have done the same. That consciousness of the sunnah, subhanallah. So now one is beginning to bring the sunnah alive. The second aspect, excessive duru sharif. Excessive recitation of duru sharif. And the very bare minimum is hundred times a day. But that is the very bare minimum. And some amount, hundred, two hundred, three hundred while sitting in one spot, with full attention, over and above that as much as possible, driving, coming, going. MashaAllah, many people keep a little tasbih counter on their hands, which serves as a reminder, and they find that during the course of the day, some say 2,000, 3,000, 5,000, without even realizing it, they've recited so many Duru Sharif. So this Duru Sharif, it enhances that muhabbat, this builds up the relationship, because this is constant remembering. And when a person is remembering somebody often, it builds up a relationship. So the Mubarak Sunnah of Rasulullah was bringing that alive. Excessive recitation of Duru Sharif. And the third aspect, learning the seerah, reading it, understanding the Mubarak seerah of Rasulullah Some authentic books on the Mubarak seerah of Rasulullah Reading it in very carefully, not just a very, very cursory glance. Understanding what's, what's being said there. And in fact, our families as well, when we will learn about who the personality of Nabi Kareem was, when this marifat will be acquired, this marifat will bring about muhabbat. To the extent that we know him, we love him. Alhamdulillah, respect is there. But that muhabbat will come to the extent of marifat. Every mu'min respects Nabi Kareem tremendously. But somehow the relationship is still weak. Because the marifat is weak. So when we will build up this marifat and learn who our Nabi Kareem Salaam is, we will love him more. Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Allah Ta'ala fill our hearts with the love of Nabi Kareem Salaam. Build our relationship with him to the point where we don't ever have space for anything that is not in conformance with his Mubarak way of life.
anything of the Yahud and Nasara, things that they have tried to push into our lives, that that becomes something totally disliked to us. We don't want to have anything to do with it. Things that have become the icons of the Western way of life, their style of dressing, their way of going about things in day-to-day life. We will have nothing to do with it. We don't want to have anything to do with it. Because with this outward style, it affects the thinking and the heart and mind. There's another whole subject, time has gone up long ago, but there's just quickly to finish up on this. The aspect about culture. So now we, we have been given a culture as well, the culture of the Sunnah. There was an article maybe around 2005 or 2006, somewhere around there. That's the time this article, somebody sent it. So in this article was, the title was Prospects for Culture Change. Prospects for culture change and the target time when this has to be done and how it has to be now brought in was 2010 to 2025. We're already on the tail end of this target period. Uh, There's a lot of things that were mentioned in there that how the culture has to be changed. And in order to change this culture, what processes need to be adopted? Now the frightening part of it was a whole lot of details. One subtitle was the unbending process. Now this is going back 2005, 6, somewhere around there. The unbending process. It's unbending process. You see, well, some, some things in the culture, culture people are living next door to each other basically. We are as a minority Muslims in a country with others. So now when cultures meet, this enculturation, assimilation starts, people start borrowing things from one another in their way of life, in their day-to-day things. But now one very ajeeb thing was written there, people will take things from other cultures which they feel are better than what they have. So if a person has left out something that he has and taken something that somebody else has brought about, why is he taking it? Because there's some, something in his heart which he likes more about that than what he has. Now what we have is what Nabi Karim Salaam has given us. And what the Yahud and Nasara have brought. Can we ever love that about this? In any case, that's another subject. But just to finish off on this last part, the unbending process. Now what was this unbending process? There, will, there are certain things that will happen quite easily. Changing people's dressing for example. They'll dress in such a way after a while that like as if this was always the dressing of a Muslim. It won't even cross their mind something is terribly wrong with it. They'll be fine with it. Just carry on with them. In their customs, in their ways, in their habits, a lot of things will change. But there are certain things that people feel are untouchable, so to say. Don't dare touch this. These are things which are our beliefs. These are things which are sacred. Don't ever touch it. So all other things now, we conformed in your dressing, we conformed in your styles and your habits and whatever. But these things, our beliefs and so on, this is not negotiable. Now the unbending process was how to go about changing this. And there were various steps described. They said by the time, first this is a level and gradually now they gave themselves a 15 year window period. That's not going to happen overnight. And by the time it comes to the point of that fourth stage, these people say, no, well, this too is fine now, it's all fine. Now, if we think about it in this time and age that we are in, how many things which were 
no mu'min will ever entertain anything else in that regard. For example, in this time that we are in, in the fitna of the time, the LGBT fitna that is carrying on, ten years ago, even five years ago, this would have never come on a mu'min's tongue, a person who claims to be a mu'min, that well this too is somebody's choice, leave it to them. Impossible for a mu'min to think in that way. But people are forget saying it, writing it also. And they are standing up for the rights of so-called people of this nature. Now this is an, a marginalized society and they are oppressed and we have to help to stand for the rights of the oppressed. Now this is an unbending process. A mu'min could never have thought, let alone bring it on his tongue. He's now writing and he's standing up calling himself still a mu'min. Not one, two, dozens, hundreds. Allah forbid. Now this sounded like it just happened. But this article was already out 20 years ago. I said, no, this target time, 2010 to 2050, unbending process must take place also. So what was regarded as something non-negotiable, part of beliefs, something sacred, even that too will lose its sanctity, that too will be regarded as something that can be discarded, na'uzubillah, something that can be compromised, doesn't matter, na'uzubillah, This all highlights the need for us to become very, very alert ourselves, our families, we have to take things backwards. We can't just leave it where it is. We have to make a concerted effort to turn things backwards. Backwards from where it came, the right places where it came from. And doesn't matter the whole world calls us now, we've gone backwards and we've gone old style and whatever else. That old style was gold style. This is not even coal. This is najasat. What has come the new style? Coal is also, though it's now going to make a person very dirty, but it's still park. What the Yahud and Nasara have pushed into our homes and in our lives and in our dressing is najasat, spiritual najasat. That was gold and beyond gold. So if the world laughs about it, let them laugh about it. What does that matter? On the day of Qiyamah, who's going to laugh and cry? That's going to be the thing to worry about. That's the time when we have to worry about that. On that day we should be laughing. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq that we adhere very very firmly to the Mubarak way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Not compromise anything. Make the concerted effort to change things that have already got compromised. Many many things unfortunately with the passage of time have become compromised. We have to make a concerted effort to change it. Bring it back to the Mubarak way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa As close as we can. Even if you go 50 years back, the way that our grandparents and so on, that haya that they had, etc., will find a marked difference between then and now. Let alone going 1400 years ago behind. Even that time and now is worlds apart. Even if we just go 50 years back to, we'll save ourselves. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq. Allah ta'ala make us the true ummatis of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Make us very, very firm in our iman. And grant us a tawfiq of ittiba'i sunnat in every aspect of life. Wa akhiru da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Thank you. Few minutes, two minutes, musical in Bajan.
ഹ <laughs> ജസാഹിമാന <laughs> وأمتنا على الإيمان وأحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى وجعل آخرتنا خيرا من الأولى إله العالمين يا الله most merciful, most gracious, most kind, most loving Allah إله العالمين يا الله forgive us يا الله Allah forgive all our major and minor sins يا الله Allah forgive the entire ummah of Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم ارحم أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اهدي أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم فرج الكرب عن أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم إله العالمين يا الله ملك السترو أمتيز of رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إله العالمين full his love, his love in our hearts يا الله Make us love him more than we love anyone and everyone, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alameen, full of our hearts with your love, Ya Allah. Full of our hearts with the love of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Full of our hearts with the love of his Mubarak Sunnah, Ya Allah. Enable us to love his Mubarak Sunnah, Ya Allah. Remove the ways of the Yehud and Nasara from our lives, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alameen, Ya Allah. Blow the winds of Hidayat, Ya Allah. Blow the winds of Hidayat, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, bring us and the entire Ummah onto Iman and Amal, Ya Allah. Allah, grant us firm Iman, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alameen, make us, Ya Allah, steadfast on Amal, Ya Allah. Enable each one to perform their five times Salah with Jama'ah, Ya Allah. All the males, Ya Allah. Every female to perform the Salah on good time, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alameen, grant us khushu and khudu in our Salah, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alameen, Ya Allah. Enable us to recite the Quran Sharif daily, Ya Allah. Enable us to, Ya Allah, be forever in your remembrance, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alameen, save us from all the vices and sins, Ya Allah. Save us from all the evils, Ya Allah. Save us from the fitna and fasad, Ya Allah. Save our progenies to come to the Qiyamah, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alameen, Ya Allah. Save us from all the fitnas, Ya Allah. Save us from all the corruption that is being pushed onto the Ummah, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alameen, those who are bent on, Ya Allah, harming Islam and the Muslims, Ya Allah. Those who are trying to cause so much of fitna and fasad, Ya Allah. Allah, give them hidayat, Ya Allah. Allah, if hidayat is not decreed for them, Ya Allah, wipe them out from the face of this earth, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alameen, Ya Allah, all those are sick, give them shifai kamila, ajila. Mustamirra, daima. Ya Allah, remove every trace of their ailments, Ya Allah. Those in any kind of difficulties and hardships, remove it with afiyat, Ya Allah. Grant barakat in each one's risk, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant halal and tayyib risk full with barakat, Ya Allah. Save us from every drop and grain of haram and doubtful things, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alameen, Ya Allah, all those, Ya Allah. 
Allah have raised their hands with this dua, all who asked us to make dua. Allah grant each and every khair and barakat, ya Allah. Grant each one the best of dunya and akhirat, ya Allah. Allah grant istiqamat on iman and amal, ya Allah. Allah grant khatma bil khair, ya Allah. Allah grant khatma bil khair, ya Allah. Allahul Alameen, ya Allah. Whatever we have asked for, ya Allah, grant us, ya Allah. What we should have been asking for and did not ask, ya Allah, grant us that as well, ya Allah. Allahumma inna nas'aluka min khayri ma sa'adaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa na'udhu bika min shabi masta'adaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Anta al-musta'an wa alayka al-balaag. ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله